Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And we are closing out October with Suburban Gothic from 2014, directed by Richard Bates Jr. His debut feature was Excision, which I have seen, which is about a weird high school girl who is obsessed with surgery and tries to do her own, <laughs> tries to perform her own surgery. <laughs> what what is that like? I haven't seen that. Um it's really weird. Like it's it kind of reminds me of like a Lucky McKee movie. Um okay. he, did, he did you know May and the woman and stuff. It it's kind of like a high school version of May. Except, like, it doesn't really have the whole, like, May is, like, a tragedy because it's, like, about a woman who, like, really wants to make friends and genuinely doesn't understand why people don't like her. Whereas, like, Excision is just, like, about, like, this, like, weird teen who is, like, has, like, is, like, obsessed with death and blood and, like, has these, like, fantasies of, like, people covered in blood and, like... (laughs) I don't know it's an interesting movie it's a better movie than this movie i'll say that okay, that's what i was yeah that's what i was thinking but i also feel like any movie that has a cohesive tone um of of both emotional tone and filmmaking choice um in the way it edits in the way that the color schemes work and yeah all of it would be better than this movie because this movie feels like a collage of five different versions of whatever the fuck this plot is. Yeah. Suburban Gothic is kind of a mess. It is definitely a mess. Um, It's because the concept is pretty clear. And that's, what's interesting to me is like the concept itself is not that new or complicated. You know, we have, uh, Matthew Gray Goobler, who everyone knows as like criminal minds guy that people get wet for. Um, and we have Kat Dennings as as the main characters. And Matthew Gray Goobler has finished business school and he cannot find a job. So it opens up with him in an, a job interview that goes badly. Oh, wait, actually, no, he's talking to uh, like a career counselor and he's just like begging them to get him a job and she's just oh yeah he tells this black counselor to help a brother out (laughs) yeah i mean he's so cringe like his character is so cringy and she's just like no like i can't like there's just nothing out there and so then he has to move back with his parents in the suburbs and you know so this is this is like a plot that we see in a lot of movies like okay the job market's rough you have to move back in with your parents and deal with all your childhood demons um And his parents are, you know, racist white suburban people. Um, Ray Wise is his dad, who is just like so. Ray Wise spends this entire movie just like talking about Mexicans, like the entire movie. It's so like Chris and I were watching it and we're like, okay, yeah, we get that this is trying to really drive home and like like drive home the racism of the suburbs or whatever, but it's just too much. <laughs> like we've got it's, it. It's a lot. Like he's talking about Mexicans so 
much. It's like the it's like the only thing that he cares about. And it's so it's like it's like bordering on obsessive. Like even like the wife at times is just like, okay, can like we can we talk about something else? Yeah, and he has like a team of five people working on his yard, most of which are Mexican people. Um and we don't really know what they're supposed to be doing in the yard. It's just like they're working on the yard and like they're having problems working on the yard. And so that is like one of the ways in which he's able to be racist is like talking to them and about them. Um, and it's just like, OK, we get it. Like the dad and he's he has a horrible relationship with Matthew Gray Goobler. Like he's just very critical and they're butting heads. And Matthew Gray Goobler, I guess, is supposed to be like, you know, he moved away to the city and he wears scarves now. There's so much, okay, there's such, there's two things happening here with his clothes. One, it's that everybody is so obsessed with him to like a weird degree, like even like strangers, like when he walks into a bar, everyone's interested. Number two is that he is styled terribly. I just don't understand what he's, like it's not even that he's wearing city boy clothes, it's that the combination of them doesn't, especially that pink scarf. Yeah, his clothes don't make sense. And the way that people respond to him, I mean, everybody in the movie calls him gay and he's like, no, I'm not gay. And I'm finally like, okay, just decide. Like, like, is he gay? Like, why why do we keep coming? I just don't believe that everyone in town is obsessed with him being gay. Like, it's it's like, okay, sure, maybe his one high school bully and his dad, but not everybody in town. Like, what is this? But... And, and it goes back to his clothes too. And it's like, no, his clothes, the weird, his clothes aren't interesting. That's the other thing is it's like, Oh, he's dressed city. He's not like dressed. He's not wearing fashion and he's not, you know, it's not like he's coming back and he's like dressed like new goth or like anything distinctive. He's just wearing clothes that don't go together. And he's like a slender man who wears skinny jeans. That's really it. Yeah, I'm so confused by everyone's weird obsession with him because everyone seems to care what he's doing and who he is, and I just don't find him that interesting of a person. That's the other thing. Like, his clothes aren't that interesting, and he's not interesting as a person. Like, there's so much silence in scenes with him. Like, he just doesn't have a lot to say. Like, well, period. The whole character is just reactive to this place that he grew up in. And we don't really know what he actually cares about or wants. Like, I don't even know if he has dreams or ideas of what he wants to do with his life. And like that in itself is fine. Like a lot of people don't, but it beyond that, it's just like everything about him is a reaction instead of a character in itself. So it's like he moved to the right, city. Like the he life. went to business school, but we never know what he wants to do. We don't know what kind of business he wants to open or anything like what is it what, what, what does he want right and like he's disappointed to be back living with his parents and like that's a very understandable feeling but we don't really know what he's losing like we don't hear about him having friends in the city that he's in contact with that was another thing to me as i was like if he was really sad to leave his city life why isn't he talking to friends from school why isn't he why isn't there a scene where one of those friends comes and visits and sees the suburb he lives in and like you know, quote, gets it like, oh, wow. Okay. This is why you hate, you know, your family or whatever. Um, but it's, it doesn't really feel like he left anything behind. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, I don't know. There's like nothing going on with him. The most interesting thing is like 
that he can see spirits. But also people don't really believe that most of the time. So it doesn't, that also doesn't explain why everyone's so obsessed with him. Well, that's the weird thing is, so there's this thing that like he was a pariah in school and there's two factors. One of them is that he was like very fat as a kid. And so he was bullied. And then another one is that he always talked about being able to see spirits. And so he was made fun of for that too. So now he is older and slender, but he also talks about having an eating disorder, but then it's never really actually explored as a real thing. Yeah, he makes a joke about it. And I'm just like, is that a joke or like, is this for real? That was how I felt. I was like, I can't tell if he's making a joke to make this person feel bad for being like fat phobic or if he's actually mentioning an eating disorder that he has and the, sh- and the movie's just never going to address it again. And we're just supposed to be like, okay, <laughs> cool. We're fine with that. Like we aren't worried about him. Um, but that's so like, he's so people bring up the fact that he lost weight, but now they're making fun of him. Cause like, I guess he wears skinny jeans or whatever, but then they're also asking him like, do you still see spirits? And the weird thing is the movie takes so long to explain even what he sees. Like, it's just like an hour of people being like, are you still connected to the paranormal? And he's like, yeah, I kind of am. And then you're like, okay, well, how? (laughs) Like, it takes so long. Yeah, we never learn any of the specific, like, we see so many scenes of him in his room, but, like, we're not, he's not looking through old notebooks, like, we don't see any, like, flashbacks of stuff like this, like, I was thinking about it because, um, there's a recent movie called The Kid Detective with, um, Adam Brody, that's, that's really, really interesting. And it's like about a guy in his thirties who used to be like a really well-known detective in his like hometown. But for some reason, like instead of getting a real job, he's still like a detective. And there's like a lot of like references to his like past cases and like the way that everybody in the town treated him. Like there's so much like, like, and even their like interactions with the bully and like, why the bully hates him is explained and it's like the kid detective is almost like the good version of this movie because everything that i wanted they did in the kid detective i wanted to know who this person was well yeah that's the thing is i was like okay what was he actually like as a kid like there there would be random flashbacks but it would just show like a child it wouldn't it wouldn't really show us what he was like it would just be an embarrassing memory you know Um, like somebody calling him a name or something, but we didn't really get anything about how he felt truly and what he saw. It was just like, Oh, he saw the spirit world and his dad thinks that he's quote crazy and his dad doesn't get understand him. And his dad of course is a football coach. Um, and like his mom also is just not really a character. Like she's just like, I don't know, Stepford wife kind of like always smiling Pretty. always in a nice dress like always like glowing kind yeah, of like, no matter how a scene is lit and like she seems to know that the dad's an asshole but also refuses to ever actually like set a line like she'll call him out but she's just like oh you know your father and i'm like why are you with him like i just there's just so much unanswered and so it makes it very hard even like i obviously we've both watched a lot of bad movies and i can ride with a bad movie Um, If I know enough about the characters to like go places with them, but I I don't in this one. And so, and it also just takes so long for anything to actually happen. Um, Like we, we end up meeting Kat Dennings um, in one of the scenes when 
Matthew Gray Goobler is like, you know, he goes to the local bar and of course she's like the cool bartender and she's like got eyeliner on. And then they bond because like, I guess they both were fat and they were both made fun of and now they're not. And they're, but they're like bitter and they like see the world for what it is. And like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. They kept on trying to be trying to do this thing where it's like two outcasts or like now like together and they're cool as shit, but it's like, they never do anything cool. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, like that's, that's a real thing. And there is definitely a real thing. Like if you move away from where you're from and you go back and you connect with someone, um, there, there can be like really interesting conversations and times when you connect with someone that you knew at a young vulnerable age and you're both like, on a similar page now where you're like, Oh cool. I'm so glad I'm away from that mindset or away from those people. Um, even if it's just like psychologically, you know, even if I still live in the same town, but they don't really explore that very much. It's just kind of like that connection is made. You know, they both hate this like rapey guy who was a bully that there's this ongoing thing about him, like, like assaulting a woman on a bus I don't, I don't, I don't know. His name's Dave or something (laughs) like, but, but it's just like their connection is never, again, it's another thing that's never really explored or deep. And it's just kind of like they're hanging out. And then like Matthew Gray Goobler will invite her to do things and she'll like say no. And I think it's supposed to be flirty, but I also am like, maybe she just doesn't want to hang out with him. I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah. It's weird. She's, she's always hanging out with him. But she always seems annoyed while she's there. And I feel like, and the reason why I picked this is because, like, the way that it's set up is like a rom-com. But, like, we never, they never, like, they talk about, it's weird. They don't talk about anything romantic, but they talk about fucking every once in a while. Like, we could fuck, but never mind. We could, we could fuck tonight. No, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... I'm going to be honest, Jordan, like I was watching and I was taking notes, but I was super confused by the spiritual plot line when it finally hit. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't understand it at all because so, like, first, yeah, try to explain okay. <laughs> okay. So this is my interpretation, which is probably wrong, but I think speaks to how bad the movie was <laughs> like, cause I was paying attention and half of the movie, I was like, when will something happen? And then when something happened, it was still confusing. So the men who are working on, um, on Matthew Gray Goobler's dad's yard, like discover a body, they discover the bones of a little girl and um they don't want to and they've been having problems where like their tools aren't working and and some of them are superstitious and like okay you know there's something spiritual going on here so they don't want to work on it anymore and eventually one of them tells matthew gray goobler and he's like holy shit and so then he gets cat dennings to like look up the history of the house and find out that like some girl was like murdered there a long time ago and buried um some girl and her dad yeah. And like, uh, they are convinced that the reason that Matthew Gray Goobler is getting weird spiritual premonitions is because this girl needs to be put at, put to rest or something. Yeah. And then there's like this goose chase of them trying to like get her. So the bones are already in the yard, but there's this weird thing about her getting her body, which doesn't make sense because her body would already have been decomposed. <laughs> 
Am I? Yeah, it seems like her her body was moved. Like that's how that's how John Waters gets into it because like he for a minute like he has the like Ray Wise like takes the body, sells it to uh, the museum that's run by run by uh, John Waters, and then they have to like get the body back from him, and then they get the body back, but the necklace that was on the body is off, and um. She needs the necklace. And there's, like, this other woman who's, like, also spiritual in the town. Um, let me pull up the actress. It was... Uh, she she oh, played I'm, by Sally Kirkland. Yeah, Sally Kirkland. And she's her character is very fun. Um, and she's just, like, I also see and hear things, like, and everyone thought I was crazy, but, like, I'm so glad that you recognize. And so she's, like, helping them figure out what the ghost is saying. And in one scene, she brings a little girl that I think is her niece or something. And she's like, the ghost needs to talk to someone her own age. <laughs> like, what? That was so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And so like the logic, like the haunting logic of this movie is very confusing. Um, I mean, that's something we talked about in our last episode was like with my demon lover was just like the magic logic was inconsistent. I feel like that is similar here where like the ghost logic is very confusing, but I guess the ghost wants to talk to this little girl and that's when they find out that they need to get the necklace so that she can leave them all alone. Um, and so they finally get the necklace and then like Matthew Gray Googler is like digging in the backyard and like, so there's been this thing throughout the movie where like he has blood pressure medication and that's like a plot line. And I never really understood why it was a plot line. Cause it doesn't really seem to affect his life. Like he's not having physical issues. Um, well, there's the whole thing where apparently like the doctor's not being paid anymore by Ray Weiss. And so like <laughs> the doctor like unethically is like, Oh, you don't need it anymore. Like as if like <laughs> when you're on medication, you don't need to like taper off of it. If you want to get off of it. It's so, it's so weird. It's like, well, yeah, this will totally change your chemical makeup. Anyway, I'm not getting paid. Yeah. It's so it's such a weird thing. But like, it, they turned out to be like antipsychotics that he's been taking. So like, as the film goes on, like, he's not on his meds anymore. So I guess it's supposed to mean, like, are we supposed to think that he's he could be going crazy? That's definitely what Ray Wise and, like, his mom thinks. And, and like, they know that the antipsychotics have been cut off, so I don't know why they just don't, like, get them. It's weird, because, like, so much of the movie is, like, Ray Wise being like, we got to commit him or whatever. And it's like, no, I mean, you could just, like, pay the doctor for the medication. Like, there's no need to do that. <laughs> And the movie, and it's weird, though, because, like, there's these other people who seem to also believe the ghost, and so we don't really know what's actually happening with that. Um, and also, even, I feel like the movie tries to explain that the dad's an asshole because because he's been worried about him, about his son, but I, I don't buy that because, again, you could just care about your son and, and not, like, stigmatize him. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> like, you know, like it's not like oh the way to help someone and support them is by making them feel alone <laughs> like um i don't know it's it's a very confusing movie it's weird because it's simultaneously tropey you know like it's the whole moving back in with the parents and you know the 
the suburbs, people in the suburbs don't get me, but there's like one cool person who does like, there's all of those things. And I'm super on board for those kinds of movies when they're good, but it's very confusing. Like the way that it's edited is also weird because when the ghost logic comes into play, what happens is there's these black and white flashes of like this little girl getting murdered that are then edited into this otherwise, you know, color movie um it doesn't make any sense <laughs> like i mean it's a, clearly supposed to be a stylistic choice but there's so many weird stuff like it's not just like the the colors are like very bright and saturated and then we switch to the black and white and then whenever the movie wants to like show the passage of time we get this like thing where the camera oh, yeah, yeah. loops from like room to room and there's like, like montage music and it's so weird because like it would be a thing if it was like a family drama that like goes for like a certain amount of years or something but that's not what it is so what are these transitions for yeah exactly and like it doesn't and it also just feels like I'm all about people experimenting, you know, some of the best art came because people took leaps that could have failed greatly. But with the stylistic uh, choices in this movie, it just feels like it would make a lot more sense to pick one or two of them and not like four different bold stylistic choices that don't really go together, uh, plopped into a movie that doesn't really develop the characters and has very confusing ghost logic. (laughs) Like it just made it very disorienting to watch. Um, and then you add the fact that the racism and homophobia is so over the top. Like it feels like every scene there's someone saying the F word or, or uh, you know, there's something said about Mexican people and it's just like, we get it. You know, like these people suck. We get it. We get that that is shitty, but like, you don't have to put this here. Like I'm from, I'm from a small town, like that's full of, you know, Trump supporters and stuff. And it's not like they just like walk around town, just like, just like yelling slurs. A lot more. Like I think if it wanted to show the racism of the suburbs or this specific suburb, it would be a lot more effective if it was more coded. And, you know, there were maybe a couple moments where things came out overtly, but it wasn't just like people yelling, like, you're gay, that's bad, like the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, it it just, it seems like this movie was made by somebody who's like never been to a small town or like only remembers their small town, like it only remembers the bad things about the small town. So then therefore can't really like... Yeah, like they moved away when they were 14 or something. And they and they just like can't imagine talking about it in like anything but inflammatory inflammatory terms. Like if you want to critique the suburbs, you first have to love the suburbs. You have to love it to hate it. Like you have to start there. And it's interesting that John Waters is in it. Um because like he's so good at that. He <laughs> is, yeah, because he like has a really complicated relationship with the suburbs and he like loves he loves people's fucked upness, you know, that doesn't mean he condones it, but he loves all of it. And, and like wants to show the parts that are sick, you know, but he also shows that not all of it is sick. And, and this movie is just like so cartoony about that. And again, like if we knew more about Matthew Gray Goobler's character and like the, if there was a contrast between his life before he had to move home, that would also help. But we don't know what his life was like in the city. You know, was he dating? Did he have friends? 
Um, what was school like? Did he have jobs? Like, how did he himself, like, how did he change his views from his parents? You know, there's so many things that could have been explored that weren't. Um, and then it's not really good at being a ghost movie. So it's like, okay, if you want to just go genre and not worry about character and, you know, this is a horror movie and like we're doing ghost antics, then make those antics make more sense and be scarier. Yeah, I'm not really scared of anything in this movie. I don't like even like the haunting. It's weird because you don't care enough about the characters to care that they're even being haunted. (laughs) Yeah, like, I really don't. Like, it was, it felt long. Like, the movie felt long to me. The movie felt, yes. I felt like my entire life. Like, I was like, like, I just kept looking to be like, how much longer is this movie? And I was on an edible. So it's not like I was in a hurry. (laughs) You know, like, I was high. And normally, when I'm high, I'm way more able to watch something that isn't good, or that feels drawn out, because I'm just like, you know, present and like, whoa, that's crazy. But this is bad enough. Like, I think it would have been worse if I was sober. I think like the problem, this is a 90 minute movie that needs to be an 80 minute movie. Like, let's chill out. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, I I don't know. And when 90 minutes feels long, that's, oh, that's. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. And I wish I hadn't like in the Gruber, the guy, I don't, a lot of people like him. I'm sure he's very good on Criminal Minds. He voices one of the chipmunks in all those chipmunks movies. He voices like Simon. So like, it was weird because I was like, he hasn't been in that many movies. And then I checked and it was just like all the chipmunk movies he's in. (laughs) And like uh, some other stuff. He basically just does chipmunk movies and horror movies. That's like the only two things that he does. And, you know, I appreciate that niche, but I personally don't understand his appeal and this movie doesn't tell me what it is I don't know what it is yeah I mean I like I said this before we started recording um I understand why people are into him I'm I feel like I'm kind of agnostic about him like I there have been episodes of Criminal Minds where I found him attractive and I think he's very good in that role um and I understand the kind of attractive that he is um, both personality-wise in, in the kind of neurotic roles he plays that are, like, sexy in a certain way. Um, but I also, like, I'm not in his, like, big fan club, you know? So I just, this movie definitely doesn't do him a service. I feel like he's trying really hard with this character. I feel like he's giving his performances all. Um, I feel like Kat Dennings is just kind of there, and she's just like, well, whatever, you know, I'm going to just do this. Kat uh, Dennings, I love Kat Dennings, and she seems so bored in this movie. Well, yeah, I love her too, but she just, I mean, they don't give her much to do. I mean, yeah, they don't give anyone much to do, but they really don't give her much to do. She just, like, pours shots and, like, occasionally rolls her eyes and shows up to, you know, Google stuff with him. So I feel like she just was like, well, there's not really much to do here, so I'll just show up and be in this movie. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, I kept on thinking, maybe I was wrong thinking that there was anything romantic between them, and then they kiss at the end, and I was like, okay, so this is just badly done romance. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely badly done romance. Yeah, because there's really, because you also do expect there's going to be this romantic arc, 
but it's weird because it really does feel platonic. Like they flirt in the first scene they meet. So you think that that's going to grow, but then they just seem kind of platonic. He doesn't seem like he wants to have sex with anyone. Like I like did not think that he, yeah, he just doesn't seem like he's in a place where he wants to have sex with anyone. Um, and then like they randomly kiss at the end and it just felt like the movie is like, Oh, we need to like tie that knot up. Well, like it's weird. Cause like in, in dialogue at the end, it's like, she, he's like, I can't believe that you quit your job as a bartender to work for me. And it's like, that's such a dramatic change to make in your life for a person. And then like, there's, like, you have to, like, really care about a person to do that. And where is the... I don't see it. Yeah, there's this whole thing where throughout the movie, she's like, have you ever thought of making your career being a paranormal person? Which I thought was the funniest thing, because I'm like, okay, that is not a career path. <laughs> like, yes, are there people who somehow survive off, you know, being a psychic or or paranormal things? Yes. But very few. It is not like a career path where you're like, that is what I'm choosing and I will for sure do that. So it's so weird to me that Kat Dennings was just like, have you thought about opening up a paranormal business? <laughs> and like, and the movie ends with him opening up his like paranormal business. We still don't really know what he's branding himself as. Like, you know, is this more... Uh, tied to astrology and he's going to do tarot readings and you know like is he we don't know all we know is he's just like I have a paranormal business and Kat Dennings apparently has quit her job so that she can help him I don't know and when they open up like 10 people come in now to be fair if I found out a paranormal business was opening up and I lived in a small suburb or town I probably would be like all right let's go (laughs) you know but it's just like that to me was so funny Like, if they were more specific, if he was like, I can read palms and see visions and I can talk to ghosts, then I'd be like, okay, that's palpable. But it's just, like, this one ghost that talks to him. Yeah, and he still, like, has so much trouble, like, communicating with that one ghost that I'm just like, what is really the extent of his power anyway? I don't... Is he gonna, like, hire that seven-year-old on contract to talk to, like, young ghosts? Like, what? Like, how is this business model gonna work? I I just and I kept on wondering and I don't think I don't really think this often when I watch movies but I found myself like existentially being like just like why does this exist what was the re- like usually when you watch a movie you feel like okay they're trying to say something but like here it's like even if the say something is like a very basic thing I don't even know what the basic thing is that the suburbs are bad but i'm gonna yeah like it wasn't even it wasn't even good at being reactionary to the suburbs because it just felt reactionary but it wasn't like this is why you know like homogeny is bad or you know close-mindedness or 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 like this is why this brand of racism grows and is bad It, it didn't go there it just was like his dad is shitty these people are bad we don't like them and then he talks to a ghost and starts a business. Like, I, it doesn't, there's no, there's not even a heavy handed thing that it's trying to say. It's just trying to do a lot of things at once and none of them really go all the way. Yeah. Just none, none of it makes any sense. None of it, like, I don't know. It doesn't justify its existence. And I don't. I just, I don't know. I mean, 
So people should watch The Kid Detective instead, eh? Yeah. 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 Because The Kid Detective basically does everything that this movie is trying to do and does it so much better. And also just, like, foregoes the entire romantic thing at all because it doesn't really need to be there because that's not really what the story is. (laughs) And, like, it's just so... I don't know. Like, of course, it's not, like... I don't know. Like... If we're looking at the themes of, like, a small town growing up, changing, the town doesn't change, and you want it to change. Like, it's just something. Care about something. Make a movie and make it seem like you care. I'm just so, like, the whole time I was watching this, and I was just like, why did anyone show up to set? Why does anyone care? (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know, have a little more love for the art form, you know? Like, because I you know in the years that we've done this podcast like there's movies that we covered that are bad you know you could just say innately they are bad but I can tell that the people who wrote it directed acted care about it and they wanted they wanted to be in it and they believed in it and I have a lot more love for those movies and I appreciate I enjoy watching those more like even when I'm like okay the writing is pretty predictable or flat or you know the acting isn't quite there I I can feel that there's a purpose and there's a love for the movie and so that makes me want to engage with it this one feels cynical in the sense that it doesn't feel like there's real love for the form it feels like it's just kind of throwing things it feels kind of snarky um which is like my least favorite tone like be scathing you know be funny be uh satirical but like just kind of like boring snark i don't know it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel like anyone, I like, I do feel like Matthew Gay Gubler, like, really did try to do his role. I felt like he showed up and he did his job, but I don't know what this movie was trying to say or do, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, there's just, there's just nothing here. So, I'm very excited to not talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening, uh, watch The Kid Detective instead. Um, remember to drink water, wear a mask when you're going out. We love reviews on iTunes. Our theme song is by Clutch Douglas, great Seattle-based band. I've been Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah.